1: We're going to go talk to Paul in San Francisco, listening to us on KDOW. Hi, Paul. Here I am again. Um, I have a question about the 401 k Now, there's one of the talking heads on, on KDOW. He bum-wraps the 401K. He says it's bad because there are hidden fees, he says. He says there's 27 of them. I, I, can I get some confirmation of do they exist or not? Yes, there's fees in the 401K plan that are kind of hidden. Most of them have them. Uh, they usually have uh, the 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 mutual funds in the four K plan are usually have not the best funds and funds that tend to be higher in their annual management costs in those funds and you know there's fees because of the different reporting requirements required by four hundred one k so yeah there's you don't, they're, okay. We can call them hidden because they're not really transparent, but they are there. You can see them, uh, but you just have to work to find them. So, yes, he's right. Okay. How about I can find them? I'll try to. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck, Paul. Thank All you right. for the call.
2: Let's go ahead and play another voice bank question from a listener in Seattle. It came in earlier on 888 chart.
1: Hey,
3: Steve or Justin. This is Craig from Seattle. Got a question? I'm hoping you can help me with. I'm building a shop on my property. It's going to be about 150 grand, and I don't do debt, so I'm going to cash flow it. I should be able to cash flow about 100 grand of it just out of income and existing resources. Uh, the other 50 is going to need to come from some investments, and that was planned the whole time. My question is, I've got RSUs with a Fortune 100 company that'll be about. 50, 55 grand, and then I've also got about a $300,000 brokerage account. My thought is to cash out the RSUs because I've got another 110 unvested and that continues to grow year after year. They vest over five years and pay out quarterly. And because it's already part of my AGI when they vest, I don't wanna add to my AGI and pop into the next tax bracket. But I wonder if I'm missing anything, if it's better to take from the brokerage Am I better off doing, because they're at a loss this year also, am I better off doing early shares that may have some gain or later shares that are definitely going to have some loss? Really just looking for your insight and to see if my thinking's right on the RSUs or if I'm missing something. Thanks so much. I love the podcast. Bye-bye.
2: All right. The great question. And typically selling out of your RSUs is a good diversification strategy because most people, their they of their net worth, the RSUs, uh, become a, a large portion of the net worth. And it sounds like you're still working for uh, the company. So we'll continue to vest over time. So your stake is, the, is naturally going to invest um, uh, and, and increase over time. Um, so that's typically a good, good place to go. Now, taking money from your brokerage account, there's no tax consequences there. Whereas the RSU, there are some tax consequences. So you want to really talk to your CPA about that tax consequences. Obviously, I don't have that information and what tax bracket you're in. And and I'm also not a CPA either. Um, but that that's a conversation you want to have with, with your tax professional first, and then you can go and, and make that sale. Now, if you do, you probably want to also get long-term capital gains if you can. Um, any loss will be limited to how much you can write off each year. There's $3,000 per year that you can write off. Uh, but that's a question more for, for, for your CPA, knowing your full tax situation, how that will impact you this year, as well as long-term. Um, but when it comes to, is this a good idea to, to think about selling your RSUs to fund uh, your project? Yes, I do think that's, that's good because it'll probably help diversify
1: your overall assets. So thanks for the call. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
4: Get ready for a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar, Value Investing, Positioning Your Portfolio for Profitability, Relative Price, and Dividend Payments. The Wealth Webinar will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios, providing real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow clients' wealth. The Webinar will be anchored by KPP Financial CEO and Talk host, Justin Klein, and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Be sure to tell your friends and family members. It's free and you can register now at investtalk.com.
5: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
6: Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Eddie from Montana. First of all, thank you for all you guys do. Really appreciate the the work that you put in. My question would be in my uh, 401k, since I have limited investment options. Looking at the slight terminal the market in right now, between small, mid, and large cap funds, how would you allocate your fixed percentage of money? You know, my risk being slightly higher since I'm younger, I don't mind some some higher risk. Uh, Appreciate all the help, guys. Thank you.
1: Well, the highest risk, of course, is the small, then medium, and large. But in this market conditions we're in, I think the... The the better move will come, and more safe move will become from the large cap. So I probably you know if you're young and you want risk, maybe fifty percent in the large cap and split it between twenty five and twenty five small mid. You just you don't have very good choices in your four hundred one k most of the time. It's just you just can't. I'd rather see you have a value position as opposed to growth position. So, but you probably don't have those choices. You you know, you're limited. But, yeah, you know, the reason why I say value versus growth, when we when the environment changed from lower low or lowering interest rates to now raising interest rates, growth stocks don't fare as well in, in a rising interest rate environment. So, not that they won't work, it's just they don't they work less well and sometimes poorly because of the cost of money that they remember these high growth stocks usually don't make money. They burn money. They got to borrow it. They got to produce it. They got to get it from somewhere. So it makes it tougher for them.
2: Now well, let's grab a live call next from Dan in Georgia. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? Doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Well,
3: listen, what we did was, um, I'm, I'm in a variable and, Ooh. uh, I was just, it was going investing into the, uh, S and P 500 index. Okay what we did was we pivoted from that and they they put me in three other funds and one of those funds that they pivoted to was the mainstay vp mckay high yield corporate bond and what are your thoughts on that
2: first off you're in a variable annuity sounds like correct correct
3: i'm stuck in this thing for another five years
2: okay yeah uh sometimes remember those annuities the, the, the surrender charges usually dwindle each year, so it might make sense as you get closer to, you know, it's usually 1% a year, It's usually a 10-year time frame, and each year that surrender charge drops 1%. Is that how this works? I think so, yes. Okay. So I would think about it, especially if you get a good buying opportunity in the market to, to cash that out. At, uh, before you wait for the four, full five years, because it might make sense, you know, to just bite the bullet, take a two, three, four um, percent hit. So that's that's number one: is is try to strategically figure out how to get out of that sooner rather than later. Um, now, the mainstay Mckay high yield uh, bond ETF is a very average high yield bond uh, fund. It's yields about five percent. Its effective duration is three point six, so it's not long term in maturity. So that's probably, uh, the best thing I can say about it. It's expense ratio is very, very high. So I would, that, that's, that's why you don't want to be in a variable annuity. A lot of people don't understand that there's, uh, there, there's fees within the annuity and then there's fee high fees typically within those mutual funds that you, you get to invest in. Um, so that's why they're terrible investment vehicles. Um, so, you know, this is an okay, probably slightly below average, uh, high yield bond ETF. Um, fine right now. Um, you know, it depends on what else the options are. Um, but, um, yeah, this is just kind of average. Thanks for the call. The
4: Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I
2: have a question for you about Amazon.
4: So your questions keep coming. Question about P-E ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance.
1: If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart
2: typically goes back one year.
4: Steve and Justin are fearless, so don't forget to call InvestTalk eight 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 ninety nine chart.
7: Hi Stephen Justin. This is Rick from Colorado. I was wondering how you set your target price to sell. Let's say you buy something at the bottom of its five year PE range. Do you extrapolate that out to the top of its five year PE range to sell? Or do you pick something in the middle? Looking forward to hearing the answer on the show. Thanks.
1: If we use that as a trigger, that just a simple P E we would we would use a trigger of maybe – we'd probably use the Fibonacci numbers, maybe 60% rise from the top to the bottom of a range that that the stock sells in. Um, but, yeah, it wouldn't be a 50% rise. It'd be, we'd have to see a bit more than that uh, of the range, you know, the PE range. But we don't generally use a PE as a reason to get out. That's mm, – that, because the P could, it changes all the time. The E changes, okay? Uh, the price changes. Everything changes. And what if we see an uh, opportunity here that, you know, they they have some, you know, for instance, let's talk about the most recent, uh, what was that, the, the act that the Congress has passed. They say it's an infl- Inflation Reduction Act, which is not. You can't spend $800 billion and say that it's going to reduce inflation, no matter how you say it. But let's talk about that. They're they're spending a huge amount of money in the energy, the clean energy sector. So, uh, you know, I may not, if the PEs go up, I may let it run if I'm in one of those types of stocks that's going to benefit from all the money the government is spending on that over the next 10 years. So, you know, you may not, um, that's why we don't just use the PE as a range, as a trigger. The PE range as a trigger. I, I wouldn't suggest that. I would not. Hey, Steve and Justin. Thank you for the show.
3: I'm a relatively new investor. I uh, opened up an account looking to kind of invest for a longer-term goal, like an investment property or something like that. Based on your show, I know that a large portion of my portfolio should include bonds. And I know everyone likes to call and talk about companies and options and things like that but I was wondering if you could give me uh, a rundown on what bonds you guys like to buy, what I should look for when buying bonds. I know there are a couple different types of bonds, investment grade, corporate bonds, treasuries, things like that. I was also wondering what a junk bond is. If that's uh,
8: just a name for a
3: bond, or if that means that it's junk and shouldn't be invested. Appreciate the show and a Appreciate you guys answering my call. Listen for it on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Okay, that's that's a lot of lot of answering to do. There, first of all, if you're young, we don't recommend bun bond, bonds. You don't need to be in bonds. It's only when you approach approaching retirement that you want to take less risk that you start moving toward bonds. And we like you buying the individual bonds, not the bond funds or the bond ETFs. Now. Um, Bonds are a whole different animal from stocks, so it's very different. I'll answer the last question there about junk bonds. Okay, investment-grade corporate bonds are triple B plus or higher. That's the rating. There's two rating agencies. I won't get into that. But you want a higher rating bond, investment-grade. Now, triple B plus or better. Now, junk bonds are rated below that. That doesn't mean you can't invest in them. They're perfectly fine to invest in. Just realize they are higher risk. Now it goes from triple B plus to triple B to double B plus to double B to double double B minus and blah blah on 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 all the way down. Okay, so the higher rated junk bonds, most of them are fine. These junk bonds just pay higher a higher yield. And the problem we've had in recent times is their yields are not enough to make up for the risk. So stay away from the junk bonds. But that doesn't mean you never invest in them. It doesn't mean that at all. Junk doesn't mean it will go under. But junk bonds have a higher percentage of going bankrupt and not pay the bonds back than investment grade. But still, you can still invest in them. You just got to be careful. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you. 888-99-Chart, beginning our experience. We're here to answer your questions.
5: Listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888 99Chart is our number, 888 992
6: 4278. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Tyler from Los Angeles. I have a question for you about index variable annuities. You kind of talked about this on a previous podcast but essentially i'm wondering your thoughts on these index variable annuities that have buffer protection i was you know one was kind of came up in a discussion with me and another financial advisor and they seem like a great deal let's say you take an an ira and you put it into index variable annuity the downsides to this are the illiquidity because there's surrender charges for six years but if you don't need this money say you know you're my age late 20s early 30s you know you don't need this money till retirement anyways the liquidity isn't really an issue because you don't plan on touching it anyways assuming it's not a Roth IRA and they just they seem like a great deal and i wanted to get your thoughts on it again you have these buffers downsize or illiquidity you can you, know, you put it in an S&P 500 index fund let's say when you're you're tracking the S&P and maybe the S&P is you know, still not weighted exactly how you would put together an ideal portfolio, but given the fact that you have this buffer and the fact that also, you know, the the majority of money managers don't outperform the S&P index to begin with, it seems like a pretty good deal, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay,
1: indexes is a good deal. I like indexing. You don't need to hire people like me if you don't want to, um, but annuities are expensive. Um, uh, you were talking about the buffer. Uh, maybe I need to explain that quickly to everybody, what a buffer, what he's talking about. Uh, some of these annuities now, and, and they're indexing annuities. It's, it's an index annuity, so all it does is buy the index, okay? Uh, they buy a mutual fund, an index mutual fund. So you got to pay a fee to the annuity and pay a fee to the mutual fund. Uh, and, of course, you can't get out, or you can, but it will cost you a lot of money because they're selling this. Someone's getting commissions, usually 5% of whatever you put in goes to the salesperson. So you've got to usually hold on to them for 10 years. But if you're a long-term holder like he suggested, that doesn't really worry about anything like that. So, and there's two kinds of annuities. There's a fixed annuity and a variable annuity. We're talking about a variable annuity investing in an index. The, the guarantee that they're talking about, the buffer he's talking about, means that you're, you would never, they guarantee that you will never lose money. The value of nudity will never go below your initial investment, and how can they say that? I mean, what happens if the market crashes? They'll still guarantee it. Now, it's not much risk to them, and there's not much you know danger for you, because there's been no period of ten years, well, maybe one in the last hundred years, where the stock market ended up being down. So looking forward 10, 20, 30 years, they pretty much know that, and everybody knows that the market's going to go up. It has an upward bias of eight to ten percent a year. So then that 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 guarantee, I wouldn't pay much attention to it. I don't think it has much worth. And if you want to index, why don't you just buy an index, not through an annuity? They don't have to pay a commission to somebody. Remember, you're paying that commission. Well, that means that you put in a hundred thousand. You're not really putting in a hundred thousand. You're putting in ninety five. But if you buy an index yourself, you're putting up the whole 100000 So I would do that rather than buy an annuity, just my suggestion.
4: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial. You can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART.
0: Hi, Stephen Justin. My name is Todd in Colorado. Six-month listener here. Love the show. Uh, I have a question about where to store holdings for stock buying and investing. I have an IRA, but it's maxed for the year. Is it wise or even legal to have several IRA accounts? Or what is the best way to set up accounts to invest from? Uh, anyway, appreciate everything you guys do. Love the show. And I look forward to hearing the answer. Have a good one.
1: No, no, don't set up several IRA accounts. Don't do that. Because first of all, you're only limited to a certain amount every year. And you can't have... Uh, other accounts and put money in them because you can't write them off and there's no reason for that and the government might think that you're trying to avoid taxes illegally. So don't do not do that. That is not a way to do it. If you have extra money, you just put it in the market. You open up a regular account, an individual or a joint account, uh, and just invest it. That, that's the simplest way you can do it. If you want to sit on cash, you know you can sit on cash and wait for an, an opportunity you think that the market's going to provide. So, But just... Don't, don't try to open up a number of IRAs. I'd like to see you have both a Roth and a regular IRA, but most of the time 401k is fine and then have a Roth IRA because, you know, your employers, most employers don't offer Roth 401ks even though they could. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now. Trying to understand
5: how to evaluate some of the oil stocks. Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it at 888-99-CHART.
2: And now's the best time. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, You're listening to an encore presentation
5: of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hey,
0: Steve or Justin, this is Vince from Orlando. i got a question regarding 401 allocation. Previously on an episode, Steve had mentioned to have, when you're under 40 have 25% for a small cap growth or value, 25% for mid cap. for large-cap growth, and 25% in international. But my 401k features some retirement funds, like retirement for 2060, 2055, 2050.
2: Just wondering, what do I do with those? Do I invest in those if those are my targeted retirement date? Appreciate the insight. Thanks. Well, it depends on your philosophy. Now, I would say always lean on the value side, not the growth side. So you're talking about small and mid-cap and large-cap, especially in this market lean on the value side. So don't, uh, don't be heavily invested on the growth side of the market. Uh, And then when it comes to your targeted funds, you could allocate a little bit to them, but it wouldn't be ideal. It's a good set it and forget it. If you never want to do any work and you don't want to think about it, it's fine. The problem with it is that it is mainly going to be invested in index funds. And obviously we've talked about how those are poorly set up for this inflationary world when you're overweight, uh, really the wrong sectors, uh, technology uh, and healthcare. Um, so I would, I would not put a ton in those target dated funds. I would try to be a little bit more strategic, but also once again, it depends on Type of work you want to do um but i like what you're talking about the 25 25 25 25 uh and uh splitting that between small mid large and international but lean on the value side thanks for the call
1: okay let's pivot to an investor voice bank for a question that came in earlier 888-99-CHART
8: hey how you doing steve and justin this is will from new Orleans. i'm giving you a call on it's not really a stock question it's more like a economic question i see china is going through it with these, um, I think it's Evergrande. Evergrande is uh, having like, a, I think they're missing a payment or something. I'm not too you know familiar of the exact wording, but I did read that they have ghost cities in China. And it just seemed like China is just doing a lot of falsified things. Like they're just hiding the real truth and just putting out information. So my question is, I see Bridgewater the world's largest hedge fund sold one billion dollars worth of Chinese stocks. So I'm thinking, what do you think about the Chinese economy, and what domino effect will that bring to our economy if, if Evergrande, you know, collapse? Um, just
1: give me your uh, thoughts on that. Thank you. Actually, it's a very good question. Evergrande is a builder, one of the biggest, largest, and build builder in there, and they they were building apartments, uh, apartment buildings, sales, selling to the public, and they were selling them before they even built them. And how they got the money? Okay, they got the money through bonds, bond sales, and you know municipal bond sales and stuff. And so it's kind of a domino effect. They're not, they can't produce any more money. They they ran out of money, and they didn't finish the buildings. Some of them didn't even start, and the people have already bought the buildings have mortgages that they're not paying. It's kind of collapsing. I think their economy is really in trouble. Uh, I saw a report that the economy is going to grow 4% this year. Um, and, but you know what? You're right. We don't really know. They can hide a lot. They can't hide everything, but they can hide a lot. One thing it should tell us is that the demand on commodity prices is pro- – commodities are probably going to go down because you you can't imagine how much pressure China puts on commodity prices and commodity supplies. So that's probably going to ease off a bit. They're still growing, but it's going to ease off, and I think that will help us get our get control of, of, of the inflation here in the United States. And in other places of the world. But uh, one of the issues of inflation here in the U.S. that I don't see uh, us controlling is wage inflation. I don't don't see that, you know, with the jobs we have and the jobs available and and workers, you know, not going back to work because they don't feel like it and quitting their jobs, a high quit rate and demanding better benefits. And it it just seems like wage inflation is going to continue. But that's a very good question. I think I think China's economy is in a lot worse shape than that we know. And we probably will never know. They've been hiding it for years.
4: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com or reach out to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein by emailing or calling their Irvine, California office. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions, 888-99-CHART.
8: Hi, folks. This is Ben from Connecticut. I'm just calling about... Some of the fundamental analysis that you guys do, what type of metrics you look for, without giving away the secret sauce. Basically, I'm curious on what numbers you look for in the ratio of EV to EBITDA, and then price sales, and then price to book. So, if you guys could provide a uh, a kind of range that you use determine the value in that way, it would be helpful for my own fundamental analysis. Thank you. Love the show. Been listening to it for years, and uh, I await a response. Thanks a bunch.
1: Okay. I wish it was as simple as just to give you the uh, numbers and say this is what you look for, but you have to break it down by sectors and types of industries because, you know, the you can't compare a a tech growth stock with an industrial stock. The numbers are very different. The PE ratios, the earnings, but everything is very different. So it's not that simple, okay? Um, You you do know that the overall S&P 500 PE ratio is between 15, 16. So in general, that's, you know, you don't, if if you're a value investor, you want to pay less than that. But if you're a growth investor, you're going to pay more. See, and then, it's, then it winds down to the individual stock positions from, you know, sector analysis to the economic, from economic uh, projections to sector analysis to the individual stocks and how they perform against each other. It's it is just not as simple. I, I can't just say, okay, I'm looking for, you know, I can say stuff like we look for rising margin. Profit margins rising, not falling. Stay away from falling. We look for. We like to have value plus growth in the stocks we we buy. Generally speaking, uh, it, and it depends on what kind of investor you are. We, you know, if you're an income investor, we love high dividends. You know, and therefore that those metrics are very different of that company than one who doesn't pay a dividend. So that's about as best as I can do. As far as answering this question, it's tough. It's very difficult.
5: Do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888 99Chart. Hey
7: guys, love the show. This is Corey in North Carolina. I had a question about my IRA. I have a, a traditional IRA and I started out with about 2,000 minutes since. Been listening to the podcast and it's grown just based on some penny stocks I've invested in to a little over twelve thousand now in just a couple months. I'm thirty two years old and I'm I'm wondering if I should convert it to a Roth IRA just based on you know paying the taxes up front now and if I continue to grow it more and more using that Roth advantage of you know getting the tax breaks. 59 and a half or however old it is you have to be to draw from the IRA. Look forward to hearing the answer, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys.
1: I wish it was a simple answer to that, but there isn't. So I was wondering if you have from your work a 401K, and is that a Roth 401K or regular 401K? If you have a regular 401K and you have a regular IRA, then I'd probably – be more prone to convert it. But you, you realize you, you can open up a Roth and just convert part of it because whatever you convert is going to be added to your incomes for that year and you're going to have to pay income tax. So whatever you convert from your regular IRA to the Roth, remember, you convert 2000 well, that's 2000 more in your income tax. So what tax bracket are you in? So if you're in a very low tax bracket, then it might be wise to convert it. Because you'd be paying low taxes. But if you were convert the whole thing, would that push you into a higher tax bracket? And do you want to do that? That's why I said it. it's not a simple answer as, yeah, you know, yeah or no. Do it. It's just not that simple. But these are the things you got to consider. So if you want to talk about it or, you know, you can talk to your accountant. That might be the smart place to talk to initially to see what, what the burden of tax would be if you convert it. Good question. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it.
2: Let's go to Dave in Ohio. He wants to talk about dividends. Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. And I
7: listen every night. Appreciate it. My question is about uh, dividend investing. Okay. I have about 1.2 million invested and it's generating about a little over $3,300 a month. Mm I was wondering if that's, is that on the low side? I mean, should I be making a little more money on that? I mean, just your thoughts.
2: Well, I mean, you're, you're talking roughly a three and a half percent yield somewhere in that range, which, you know, that's, I think that's, that's sustainable. It seems like obviously it depends on the companies. Uh, and that's really what I'd, I'd really like to do is dig into the companies that you're owning. So if you want to set up a portfolio view, I think that would be helpful because remember dividend investing is not about the dividend. It's about the company because. The the dividend can go away. Any company can 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 eliminate their dividend at any time, uh, and if their business model becomes impaired for whatever reason, that's the first thing they're going to do. Uh, if they're trying to repair their balance sheet, they're trying to reinvest in their business. Well, paying out to their shareholders is not going to be a first priority. The first priority is staying in business and growing their business, and so. You know, it's three and a half. I'm glad you didn't say seven, because that would that would mean that, hey, you're, you're owning way too many companies that have huge dividends, which means uh, they're very high risk. And sometimes that high risk is 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 warranted. Uh, and, and it's smart because they have a good plan and et cetera. And they're going to dig themselves out of whatever they're in. And, and that's a nice yield. Uh, but for the vast majority of companies, it's the, a modest dividend—two, three, four percent—is probably where you want to be, and you want to focus on those companies that have consistent profitability, cash flow, uh, and and uh, their payout ratio is is relatively low. Their cash dividend payout ratio, meaning the percentage of their cash flow that they're paying paying out into a dividend, is relatively low as well, and that's important. So I'd really encourage you. Reach out to me, go to investtalk.com, uh, set up a portfolio review. I'll look at all your positions and give you a sense of are you, are, are you invested in two high risk names? How much risk are you taking overall? Uh, should you be shifting to different sectors, uh, different parts of the market, small cap, mid cap, et cetera? Uh, so uh, I really encourage you, Dave, to, to reach out to us and, and we can uh, set something up uh, via, via go to meeting or, 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 or a phone call. Thanks for the call, Dave.
1: 99 chart, everybody. Give me a call. Love to talk. To you. We're live, and we're going to go to Mark in Morgan Hill. How you doing, Mark? Morgan Hill, by the way, is in uh, California, up the coast a bit from me, and down from uh, San Jose, down from Silicon Valley. How you doing, Mark?
7: I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, um, I had a question about closed-ended funds. Uh-huh. I discovered them about almost a year ago, and I went from investing a little bit to quite a bit, over 200,000 now I'm in them, including Muni's. Um, okay. They're doing really, really well. They're not talked about very much in investment circles, no. and it's hard to get information. So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on them. I, I realize there's risk involved, but uh, so far, so good for me. I okay. just wanted to know your thoughts.
1: Sure. A closed-in fund is neither good nor bad. It's a different type of investment. Okay. Everybody knows what a mutual fund is. Everybody knows what ETFs are. But closed-in funds have been around a lot longer than ETFs, exchange-traded funds. What's the difference is between a mutual fund, an ETF, and a closed-in fund? The closed-in fund has a finite number of shares it's just it can do anything that a mutual fund or ETF can do follow a follow a uh, an index it can buy and sell stocks it can be a bond closed in fund but being that it has a finite number of shares like a company like a stock company it can sell at higher than the net asset value of the fund's holdings so You know, an open-in fund, which is a mutual fund or an ETF, means it always sells at what is the value of the holdings it has. A closed-in fund can sell at a discount to the value or a premium to the value. So you can buy a closed-in fund, and you can pay more than what it's really worth. The holdings are worth less than what you have. Or you can buy at a discount, and the holdings could be more. So don't think that it's really that different of an – investment than all the others other than it can sell at a discount or a premium of course you would like to buy it at a discount because you're getting the stuff that it's holding cheaper than the market value is but you know, there's nothing wrong with having them there's no you know there's no magic there it's just that if you buy good closing fund you you get a good managed fund there you go you 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 get the assets that's in the fund okay so don't you know they're fine mark there's nothing wrong with them at all nothing wrong with them but you do want to know if you're buying that at an, you know is it trading now as they've done very well as you suggested is it at a premium to what the holdings are and maybe you want to you know sell some because it's at a premium okay Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278.
5: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
6: Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Kevin from La Crescenta, California. I know that you guys don't necessarily follow any particular research or buy any research or make your trades based on any outside research, but I'm wondering if there's any investors you know, besides Warren Buffett where uh, you kind of just follow their moves and don't make the trades based on it, but it just kind of piques your interest if there are any uh, investors you kind of are interested in what they're doing. Just a question I've been wondering. I'll be listening for your answer on the show. Thanks.
2: Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, there. there's a great point there that you never want to make a decision based on one thing. Uh, Warren Buffett buys it, so I'm going to buy it. It's a terrible way to make a decision. Uh, the risk tolerance level for Warren is, might be different than yours. Uh, and his overall portfolio uh, construction might be different than yours. You maybe disagree for his reasons why he's buying that particular company. Uh, so, and Warren's been wrong. Don't, you know, he's, throughout his history, he's been wrong plenty of times, just like we all are. We're all wrong. So, you know, you're not going to guarantee yourself uh, a profit by uh, investing away one particular investor uh, invest because we all make mistakes. Uh, so, what you want to do though is maybe, like you said, spark your interest in a particular name. Do a little more background research. Look for other opinions. Look for the risks as well as understanding the the upside, and then making a fully informed decision. Then you can go and make uh, you know, make the trade. Uh, are there others that would like? Yes, Seth Klarman. He's a he's a big hedge fund guy um on the bond side I, I do like Jeffrey Gunlock I think he's uh, very astute and he, he understands kind of the macro dynamics uh, Ray Dalio is also a very good Bridgewaters uh, kind of uh, quad matrix uh, is a good way to understand over and underweight particular sectors um so those are those are helpful but you know for example Ray Dalio I don't I don't buy into this China's going to surpass us type of thing the way that he speaks about. So it's a good example of where I don't agree with him, even though I respect uh, a lot of his thinking. So make sure you take anybody's opinion, including my own, with a grain of salt
8: hey how's it going Stephen Justin. I have a quick question in relation to um, options trading. You know I appreciate all the insight and knowledge I've kind of taken that and been able to implement it into a trading strategy that I've done quite well with. So my question is kind of related to um, tax implication associated with it. I know these are all short term gains, and I just wanted to know if there was any avenue to offset this. Or when you're dealing with short options, you're just kind of stuck with uh, paying this high tax rate. So I'm looking forward to hearing the answer on your show, and I uh, thank you again.
2: Yeah, you're right. You know, option trading—that's short-term capital gains—and the only real way you can deal with that is end-of-year tax-loss selling. In December, look at your positions. Maybe there are names you can switch out, uh, positions you can switch out. Maybe you're long Exxon and you sell Exxon and, you know, at a loss and you buy Chevron, for example. Something very similar, uh, and you can take that loss but still gain, keep access to uh, that, that particular sector, for example, or type of, of company. Uh, same with options, right? You're probably going to be down on some options take some losses before your end rotate those into some similar type of of names so tax loss selling is really all you're going to be able to do uh in the uh to, to mitigate those those gains yeah uh, that's the that's the point of options it's speculation and speculation is not taxed at long-term capital gains the point of long-term capital gains is to get you to hold for over a year and most of the time an the option market you're not doing that Thanks for
7: the call. Hey guys, this is uh, Dan from Seattle. Uh, you guys manage my portfolio. I just wanted to say thanks. You're doing a great job with it. But I manage my niece and nephew's Roth IRAs, and I just had a quick question. I have them in the three fund portfolio with three ETFs SCHG, SCHV, and SCHA, which is large cap growth, large cap value, and small cap stock or uh, ETFs all through Schwab. And what we do is every month we go in and we buy whichever one is down the lowest. So we've been buying lots of value over the last two years and now we're buying lots of growth and i know you say growth will probably underperform but with them having such long time horizons for both 20 years old 18 and 20 is that a good strategy just to keep buying whichever one's dipping the most and not letting them get too unbalanced but i just wanted to see what you thought of that free fund portfolio and that strategy thank you
1: Uh, Frankly, there's nothing wrong with it if it's a long-term outlook, because there's times when value outperforms, there's times that growth outperforms, and we've been dealing with growth outperforming for a number of years, and we feel, uh, Justin and I feel, that values turn, but that doesn't mean growth doesn't work, it just means that value should perform better uh, for a while. How long, we don't know. I mean, no one really knows these things, but I think a good spread that you have, and ETFs are spread out broadly into the sectors are in, I see nothing wrong with you holding on to that. It will be
0: fine. Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice. Or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security? Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.